0: As President Trump's first deputy national security advisor, she helped set standards in the White House. In the Pentagon, she was the equivalent to a four-star general. And now it's time to set the record straight. It's The Briefing with KT McFarland, exclusively on Kevin McCullough Radio. So glad to have you with us. So glad to always check in with KT McFarland, uh, who wrote on her Twitter feed uh, just yesterday, I believe. Or a few days back. I guess it was within the last week. She said 40 years ago, U.K. Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher helped President Reagan stand up to Russia and win the Cold War. She'd be ashamed that current PM Rishi Sunak, I think is how you say the name, refuses to even question China over its arrest, imprisonment and torture of a British citizen. KT McFarland, the aforementioned, now joins us. KT, um, this is not our our great ancestors' England, is it?
1: No, and and, and and the reason I tweeted that out was, so the story behind it is there's a man called Jimmy Lai. He's a Hong Kong entrepreneur, British subject, you know, has citizenship, British citizenship, created um, a media empire in Hong Kong, and dared, just dared to slightly criticize the Chinese government. And since China's takeover of Hong Kong, China has stripped people, British subjects, and People in Hong Kong have all their rights, and they're now just subjugated by the Chinese government, and the Chinese government just can't tolerate any criticism at all. So this man, you know, he's a super mogul. He's been put in jail. He's been tortured. And who knows if he'll ever get out of jail. He'll probably die in jail. And yet the British government, the prime minister of Great Britain, won't even mention the guy's name, um, much less stand up to China. And I think it just shows that, you know, leaders, there are certain leaders that come along, like a Margaret Thatcher, Ronald Reagan, who really do stand up for principles and change the world. And then there are others.
0: What is the harm in bringing this up? I mean, it's not like he has some agreement with China to be chummy with them, is there?
1: No, let me just put this into a historical perspective. In the Reagan administration, the Russian Soviet Union had put dissidents in, not in jail, but sent them to Siberia, hard forced labor. Right. So every time President Reagan met with a Soviet leader, Russian leader, he always brought the topic up. So did Margaret Thatcher what are you going to do about those dissidents that you have unfairly jailed in Siberia and putting into forced labor camps? And the Soviet leader would, you know, mumble something but move on to the next. The point being you put your marker down at the beginning and you say, this is what we believe in, this is what we stand for, and we are going to just put it in your face every single time we have a conversation with you. We're not going to invade Siberia. We're not going to spring them loose, but we just want to make a point here that you can't do this. In a civilized world, you can't do this and why the British Prime Minister, in answer to a question on the floor of Parliament, um, wouldn't even mention the guy's name. I mean, why would he? There's nothing, there's no downside for him, okay, other than maybe the Chinese get a little ticked off at him. But who cares? You know, if you're a strong leader, you make a strong stand. I agree with you. I agree with Margaret Thatcher, and I agree with Ronald Reagan.
0: It seems to me that when you are um, burdened with, with true leadership, that there is a cost that comes with not always having things be easy, and it seems to me that the the path of least resistance, particularly in America right now, is where uh, a lot of the West has its head at. Uh, KT, these times are crying out for a strong leader.
1: You know, I've always—I mean, I've been around government for oh God, I don't want to tell you how many years, but fifty years—around senior people and, I've known all the Republican presidents, all the people who run for president. And, and I think that a, that a great leader boils down into three categories. One category is the leader who is constantly taking public opinion polls and then changes his position based on the poll of the day, the poll of the moment. I think a Bill Clinton was like that. Yeah. Then there's, there's another kind of leader who just says, screw the polls, I'm going to do whatever I feel like. And I think George W. Bush was like that. And then there's that third, very rare leader, who says, I know what's right I know that the people may not agree with me, so I'm going to go out and explain to the American people why I believe this and make my case to them and turn them around to my way of thinking. That's real leadership. And that's what Ronald Reagan did. If you go back and look at his speeches, some of which I had the honor of writing, Reagan would make the case to the American people. He believed firmly in democracy, and that if you made a clear and consistent case to the American people of why you chose this path, why this was the right thing to do, why the other path was the wrong thing to do, the American people could come to the right conclusions themselves. And then when you would have lasting change as a result of that, then that's when you start making a real difference. That's when you start having generational changes, not just, oh, the popular opinion thing of the day and the issue of the moment, or as George W. Bush, I think, just went on and did what he wanted to do and kind of, you know, history be damned. So I'm looking for that third kind of leader. I don't see one on the horizon right now. I don't see any, you know, certainly not one in the White House. But I do believe that there are a number of governors, Republican governors, all of whom are making that kind of a case to their constituents. And that's the kind of president I would like to see elected next.
0: Great leadership extends way past our own borders, no?
1: Well, it has a profound effect on the world. And, And if you look, all right, so World War II, that was... The British Prime Minister Winston Churchill and Franklin Roosevelt, the two of them changed the world. Then you had Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan working together. The two of them changed the world. You have an American president working with Japanese leaders. That changes Asia. Yes, the American president is the one everybody turns to, not only because we're the richest and biggest and have the most powerful military, but because of that sort of moral authority that the United States has. You know, if you look at this sort of world history... Um, The United States has a rare and unique position right now in the world today. China, biggest population, they're an authoritarian country, but they don't have any allies. Other countries may fear them. Other countries may do homage to them, but they don't have any allies. The United States, on the other hand, has allies, allies in Europe, allies in Asia. We may not always get along with each other, and we may have raucous differences, We may argue with the Germans about you need to put more into your defense budget to shoulder more of the burden of NATO, or you should should contribute more towards the defense of Ukraine. So we may argue over a lot of things, but at the end of the day, free market democracies are the strongest, most powerful force in the world. And that's why the United States can lead, not in the way that Joe Biden talks about leading, where we're just going to spend a whole lot of money on everybody and then buy our friends, not in the way other countries... Have tried to lead just by you know the, the example that I would bring to mind is the Soviet Union keeping the Soviet they, um, the member states intact you know the Eastern Europeans and the Caucasus countries under under its thumb but the real leadership where they're equal out they get an equal share of the conversation we bring them around to our way of thinking because it's the right argument you know I don't think any leader has should ever regret doing the right thing
0: yeah no that's well said. As is most of the things that KT McFarland says when she joins us each week. Uh, KT, always a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you.
1: Honor and a pleasure for me, too, Kevin. Thank you.
0: You got it. Kevin McCullough coming right back. My final thought straight ahead. Don't go away.